ladies and gentlemen, if you are thinking of copying uh, any or paying any attention to that Logan Paul Floyd Mayweather uh, quote unquote fight, I I question your IQ and hope you get help. In the words of Public Enemies, Chuck D, bring him those. Podcast Network. I am Charlie Taylor, and this is what's good. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you have all had a good week in the circumstances. Mm, my week. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Where do I begin? I, I, I've, I literally as soon as Thursday came around, uh, last Thursday came around, drop day. I was just like, um, I, I've, I've come down with this. Like, I don't know what it is. Like it's a stomach bug for sure, right? I'm I'm firmly confident in that, but I don't know whether it is actually that or just something mental, and I'm and it's just going to my stomach. If that makes any sense, I can't I can't fathom it. I really can't fathom it. I can't understand it, and it's been like that for the past week. And the thing about it, right, is that it's in it happens when I wake up, right? I'm I'm waking up and I just feel like. I might be in bed all day. <laughs> you know, I just like I, I'm generally considering it, and I never do. I get out at some point, right? But um, yeah, man, it's just uh, but but then like it 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 tapers off in the day during the day. It tapers off. It's always there. It's ever present. It has been present since Thursday morning, but um, it's just ever present, and it can't. And it just it's less. And it's not even a pain, right? It's not even a discomfort. It's just like I don't know. I can't describe. I can't really describe it. Uh, 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 I can't really describe it in that in that way. It's not. It's not quite a discomfort. It's 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 a feeling, but it's not like pain or anything. I'm not like writhing in pain or anything. So I don't know. So if anybody's uh, can diagnose me right now, that'd be great. But anyway, apart from that, yeah. I mean, that's pretty much been my week. Just like trying to figure out what the fuck's going on. <laughs> that's literally been my week. Um, so yeah, it's just added a lot more, I don't know, just, uh, it's hindered a lot of stuff that I usually do, so I'm just, so it just irritates me that I can't be as productive as I usually am, and I want to be, so, yeah, so in the circle of me being pissed off, but also me being, like, feeling really low energy, and with that said, if I sound low energy, if I sound low vibration for you, uh, I apologise for that, but you're just gonna have to live with it. <laughs> you're just gonna have to live with it. I have no idea how this episode is gonna go. I don't know if it's gonna go well. Um, in terms of me reading, in terms of my opinions coming through, and just how I talk in general. Uh, but yeah, man, we are here. We are recording, and uh, yeah, man, it's better than it's better than not recording, right? Exactly. So without further ado, let's jump right in. Formalities before we begin. Email to the IG Discord link, all that, all that, all that in the full show notes, including the articles which I'll read during the episode. Please give those a clicky click and read for yourself and support the people that write them. And with that said, let the beat drop and let's get into the show.
in a week where India's COVID uh, numbers skyrocket, <laughs> just, I mean, I've, I've, I've re- I listened to a I listened to a podcast today on a, a, a Today in Focus, uh, the Guardian's podcast, daily podcast, and they were like talking about how bad it is right over there, and it's crazy. Like they literally can't get oxygen. Like they're literally running out of oxygen. Imagine that. Imagine that you're in such dire straits that you're running out of oxygen. Their hostel beds are literally at zero. And uh, yeah, man, some of the anecdotes that are coming through over there is absolutely harrowing, absolutely crazy. Um, so yeah, man, I just hope the government over there can actually like you know lock in and actually help these people because um, there's a lot of people just dying at a crazy rate over there. Um, obviously, India's been pretty much locked off from the rest of the world now obviously for logical reasons but damn man it's this crazy it's a crazy sight uh, another anti-mask anti-lockdown protest goes down in Hyde Park because why not you know it's just <laughs> let's, let's just keep doing that guys yeah let's, let's just keep risking it keep being an idiot yeah let's, let's keep keep going for that that'll, that'll, that'll clearly like, that's exactly what we need right now this is exactly what we need a bunch of idiots just like going through Hyde Park you know without masks and stuff like that and just just being, just being twice in general. It's great. It's what we need. Manchester City beat Spurs 1-0 to win the League Cup. The Oscars came and went. And also, lastly, RIP 20-year-old uh, Fuller Jimmy uh, Olubunmi Adewole, who died after jumping into the River Thames to rescue a woman who fell from London Bridge. That's an absolutely crazy story. If you guys haven't heard of that yet, please go look it up. Amazing story. Um, absolute hero. The man, 20 years old. Unfortunate they had to die because of that, but... Um, Dying in that uh, event of heroism is just um, storybook stuff. So we begin with sports, and it is all about the Olympics. Because and no, 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 not yet. The Olympics has not been called off quite yet, even though uh, uh, Japan's uh, coronavirus uh, numbers and uh, vaccinations and all that stuff is not going too well. But um, this is more about just uh, what what will potentially happen uh, in the Olympics, which uh, is protesting. Now, um, we are obviously all aware of the many protests that have happened in the Olympics in past decades. Obviously, the John Carlos, Tommy Smith one uh, in 68, if I'm correct. I know it's the 60s. Um, obviously, that's the most notable. Uh, but yeah, the Olympics are um, not about it. They're not about their life. They're not about people protesting and the funny thing is, right, when I think about this, I'm just like, okay, maybe they're just thinking about, like, if there's any, like, because, um, you know, for for every, for every, um, I don't know what you want to call it, for every quote-unquote um, liberal, liberal protest, um, there's also someone who could literally just throw up, like, I don't know, to hit the salute while they're, <laughs> you know, while they're getting their gold medal. I'm not saying that's, you know, it's going to happen for anybody, but... I'm. I'm. Just, if they. If they lay. If they layered it like that, then I'd kind of understand. But they didn't. Um. So. But I found this article from um. Uh, ESPN anyway, but it's a Violet Associated Press. Um. And it's basically um. Uh, a German activist group and global union. Uh, a global union and an activist group have basically uh, given. Uh, athletes, Olympic athletes, and promising them legal protection. Uh, if they choose to protest, which um, I highly value, and I think that's respectable and worth reading. Um, so this is kind of just one potential side of it, and uh, yeah, so let's just jump right in. Athletes who make political or social justice protests at the Tokyo Olympics were promised legal support Thursday 
by a global union and activist uh, activist group in Germany. The pledges came after, uh, one day after the International Olympic Committee, IOC, confirmed its long-standing ban on quote-unquote demonstration or political, religious or racial propaganda on field of play, medal podiums or official ceremonies. Raising a fist or kneeling for a national anthem could lead to punishment from the IOC. So, so they, didn't, like, they didn't say anything, you know, anything... You know, any Nazi shit or anything like that. You know what I mean? They never they, they, kneeling or raising a fist. Like what? Okay. Um. Anyway, could lead to punishment by the IOC. The Olympic bodies legal commission could clarify what kind of punishment uh, before this year's games, which which open on July twenty third. Fuck. Wow. Nearly two months away. Wow. That's crazy. Uh, the IOC said that uh, slogans such as Black Lives Matter will not be allowed on athlete apparel or uh, Olympic venues, though it approved the words using the words peace, respect, solidarity, inclusion, and equality on T-shirts. See, this is like the NBA thing, isn't it? When, you know, um, when the NBA bubble happened, I think I talked about this on, on the pod, um, that they had, uh, you know, select phrases, select things that they could put on the back of their jerseys instead of their names... And it was just like, well, that's kind of, that's not, if they have to pick from a certain amount of names that are just, like, you know, safe, um, the safe words, basically, literally safe words, peace, respect, solidarity, inclusion, equality, like, what's that going to do? What's that going to do for anything? Like, it, like, protesting needs to be radical, that's the point of protesting, <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's fucking stupid, anyway. Continuing on, IOC's Athletes Commission uh, cited to support cited support to uphold Rule 50 of the Olympic Charter from more than two thirds yeah from more than two thirds of about 3,500 replies from the consulting athlete groups. "Quote: This is precisely the outcome we expected," said Brendan Schwab, executive director of the World Players Association Union. Uh, the Olympic movement doesn't understand its own history better doesn't understand its own history better than the athletes, unquote. Speaking to the Associated Press in a telephone interview from Australia, Schwab, I love, I love saying that name, Schwab, uh, said, quote, any athlete sanctioned at the Tokyo Olympics will have the full backing of the world players, uh, unquote. The independent, the independent group representing German athletes pledged legal backing for its national team, quote, should German athletes decide to peacefully stand up for fundamental values uh, such as fighting racism during the Olympic Games, they can rely on the legal support of Athlen- Ath- Athleten Deutschland, uh, Johannes Herber, the group's chief executive, said in a statement. In a statement, another athlete group, um, Global Athlete, encouraged athletes to, quote, not allow outdated sports rules to supersede your basic human rights, unquote. It said the survey's methods were flawed. Another quote here, these types of surveys only empower the majority when there's the minority uh, that want and need to be heard, said Ireland's... Uh, he, he, some of these Irish names that come through, man. Carrad? Is the H said Carrad? Like, uh, I'm going to say Carrad just to be Neanderthal with it. Uh, Carrad O'Donovan, a karate athlete who helped start Global Athlete. While the IOC said cases would be judged on merits, athletes who follow the iconic set, uh, salutes by American sprinters Tommy Smith and John Carlos and the 1968, oh, got it right, 68, go me, Mexico City Olympics uh, still could be sent home. 
I mean, is that after they get the medal? Because, <laughs> cause, yeah, you ain't taking it. I'll take that medal straight home if, you, if that's fine. No, okay, send me home. I still got the dub. Uh, the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee inducted uh, Smith and Collins into its Hall of Fame in 2019, pledged in December not to take action against athletes protesting at their Olympic trials on to- for Tokyo. On Thursday, it released a statement saying its plans to update its recently released policy over protests in response to the IOC's decision has not have not changed. Quote, nor has our commitment to elevating athlete expression and the voices of the of marginalized populations everywhere in support of racial and social justice, CEO Sarah Hirschland said. And the USOPC's athletes group also put out a statement saying it was it was disappointed to see no meaningful or impactful change to Rule 50. Another quote, until the IOC change is, changes its approach, uh, approach of feeding the myth of the neutrality of the sport, of sport, or protecting the status quo, the voices of marginalised athletes will continue to be silenced. The athletes group uh, leadership said in a statement, both Schwab and Herber uh, said minorities will uh, would be protected from discrimination if the IOC recognised the human rights of athletes to express themselves. The IOC erred by uh, trying erred by trying to regulate the place where a protest might take place uh, instead of the statement's content, Schwab said, uh, adding athletes' freedom expression in Olympic venues, should, quote, should be respected, protected, and indeed promoted. Athletes breaching Rule 50 can be sanctioned by three bodies, IOC, their sports governing body, or the National Olympic Committee. Uh, leaders of the two biggest Olympic bodies, World Athletics President Sebastian Coe and FIFA President Gianni Infantino, have publicly, uh, publicly ugh, have publicly op- uh, opposed punishing their athletes uh, for social justice statements. Coe gave his annual award uh, last December to Smith, Carlos, and the other sprinter on the 200-meter podium in Mexico City, Peter Norman of Australia. In the past, NOC have uh, the NOCs have played a major role in sanctioning athletes who run afoul of the Olympic rules. Both the USOPC taking itself out of that role. Schwab noted, "Quote: There is enormous confusion over responsibility to sanction." That's the entire article in its. That's the entire. That's the article in its entirety. Um, a key, a key quote I feel like taking out here is um, this quote from the uh, athletes, uh, I think US, USOPC's athletes group in a statement they made. Until the IOC changed its approach of feeding the myth of the neutrality of sport or protecting the status quo. This is the point. This is the point. When it comes to sport, when anybody goes like, oh, I don't like politics in my sport. No, 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 no. Right? When they say that, they mean the stuff that stops the stops people from you know that stop that is um you know jammed in there during you know the state of play right they don't think about anything everything outside it sports is political right um and and honestly i will be honest with you guys before i continue this isn't the this is the alternative alternative article i wanted to bring I wanted to bring an article by a, a professor, Kevin Blackstone, who did a great piece on the Washington Post, but I couldn't get it because it's a fucking paywall. Um, so, uh, yeah, I highly, if you have the Washington Post, go read that. Um, I thought I unfortunately couldn't get it. Um, I was put on by another podcast um, for it, uh, and they, they were elucidating on it and had some fascinating shit on there. I wish I could have read that one, but fuck a paywall, to be completely honest with you. Um I don't have pockets like that. Anyway, um, so yeah, uh, 
when it comes to when it, sports is political, right? So you you you're telling me that Qatar World Cup is not there's no political element in that, right? That's what you're telling me. You you're telling me that the Sochi Olympics in Russia was not political. You're telling me that the 08 Olympics in Beijing was not just a giant political flex by China. That that's what you're telling me, yeah? You're telling me that's not political. None of that is political. They, it's all on the up and up. It's just because they love sport. You know what I mean? They just love. Oh, they really want to represent sport in in its in its purest essence. That's what you're telling me. That is what you're telling me. That you're telling me there's no politics in that. There's a reason why you don't care about that. You don't care about it because it doesn't affect the fact that sports is being played uh, somewhere. You don't care where it is, really. You just hope it happens. It's not about like the World Cup being anywhere. As long as you just just all you ask is what time are the games happening? When do I have to wake up for them? Or how long do I have to stay up for them? That's basically it. Do I have to stay up for it? Do I have to wake up early for it? Exact what time, who's playing, when are they playing? That's it. That's all you care about. When people watch the World Cup, that's all they care about. Who's playing, when are they playing. That's it. When they when people watch the Olympics is what time, what sports are going down. Uh, when when can I watch them? Boom, that's it. They don't care about the reasons why that country's doing it. They don't care about why that uh, why it's happening in that particular country. You know, it's not out the kindness of hearts, guys. It's political flexing. Okay, so to say that the IOC is like a dis uh, uh, will threaten, I guess, legal action on athletes that try and do any sort of. Uh, uh, make any note of uh, uh, of protesting or just uh, any solidarity in anything uh, that you know require that has anything to do with social justice, race, or gender, or sex, or whatever. Right, whatever the uh, grievance is uh, for that person, you're telling me uh, the IOC has the audacity to say, "Oh no, that's political. We don't bring politics into into the Olympics." Are you fucking kidding? <laughs> The IOC is politics. You don't have a world governing body of anything without politics in it. It just doesn't happen like that. You can't have an international governing body of anything, whether it's sport or commerce, anything. You don't have a world international governing body without some form of politics inside it. You are fucking doolally if you think that is happening without any political influence, without any political sway. You are tapped if you think that's happening. So this is completely disingenuous. Um, I hope any and and another another thing that I gathered in the the uh, Blackstone article that again put onto by another podcast was that um, there was a uh, there was a I think it was a runner. Uh, from somewhere in Africa, um, and he basically ran across the line with his arms folded, and nobody knew what that meant. Nobody knew what that meant. Um, but then, when people started asking him, uh, or her, maybe her, uh, when asking them why they did that, and they were telling, they were talking about the stuff going on in their country, we wouldn't have known that if it weren't for that person winning his or her sport on that global stage. That's why. Th- that's why the shit is important. Because it brings to light, or potentially important anyway. I'm not saying they have to do it, right? They don't have to do anything, right? If you want to, if you want to do it, do it. If you don't want to do it, don't. That's it. You just have to. I don't know why people would just like, no, you can't do this. Who oh, heaven forbid? 
Like, some people just don't, some people probably won't do it. Nine times out of ten, people don't protest. It's only until recent years that people have had the have felt the incentive to do so, right? But most people don't want to. Okay, it's not it's not it's not that wide it's not as widespread as you think. That's another point. But anyway, I feel like this whole thing is just supremely disingenuous and it's just um, absolutely stupid to say, uh, "Oh, do you want to bring politics into it? Do you want to bring social justice into it?" Like, guys, you're the IOC, bruv. <laughs> Your entire body is politics. It is literally politics. You don't go... Certain countries win the bid for politics. That's literally the reason why they win it. Okay? So let's stop with that bullshit. Alright? Let's stop with this. Um, and who knows? The Olympics might not even happen for this to... This might all, this might all be hot air for me. Um, again, again, I do hope the Olympics happen. But to be honest, um, I am... that My confidence is waning... Uh, just from how Tokyo is talking about, I mean, they're stuck in a, between a rock and a hard place. Remember the last time I talked about the Olympics, where um, they're not gonna, they're, they're gonna be at a loss, like supremely at a loss, regardless if the Olympics happen or not. Tokyo, as a city, uh, economically, it is fucked. Like it's crazy. Um, so I mean, obviously that doesn't, for me, that doesn't, that doesn't matter. Um, I just hope if if there's a reasonable uh, health protocol over there, and it's fine, you know what I mean, to a certain extent, if they feel comfortable with it, go for it, if you don't, health-wise, don't do it, um, but I hope either, I hope, um, you know, the decision's made either way, with confidence, and, uh, yeah, man, I just hope it goes down, and to be honest, I hope someone just, um, breaks the rules, because fuck these rules, you know, it's stupid. So we move on to music, and this is all about the death of Mr. Shock G, um, who died uh, April 22nd at the age of 57. Um, leader of Digital Underground, founder of Digital Underground. Um, we are on Digging Digits on um, next Tuesday. We're going to be doing a retrospective on Digital Underground, um, so that's going to be very enjoyable. Uh, go peep that if you want. Um, and yeah, I just found this, uh, I just wanted to read some words on him because I found him a real fascinating, uh, person and I didn't really know much of him, um, which is unfortunate, but, um, you know, no time like the present. And, uh, I found, uh, funny enough, <laughs> this is another ch- uh, potential, uh, article I could have got from Washington Post, but again, paywall. Um, so I've moved on to a different one, which is probably just as good, um, it's a uh, via Vulture. It's by Paul Thompson. It's called Raps from Most Imaginative Roads. Lead back to Shock G. So let's jump right in. It will be tempting to trace his life itinerary and conclude that Shock G's travels mirror hip hop's own trajectory across the continent. Born in New York, filtered through Floridian bass, and finally landing in the Bay, where the Panthers and P Funk mix freely in his brain. Uh, but the rapper and producer, born Gregory Edward Jacobs in 1963, died April 22nd at the age of 57. Did not seem to move on, uh, move so linearly. Instead, his style was pulled down low from uh, uh, low from pulled down from low Earth orbit and up from the 99% bin where he found a signature prop. <laughs> that's great. Uh, that's a great sentence. It was the product of a long, deliberate education, but also forged in alchemic alchemic fits of genius that are impossible to teach. 
There is a similar urge to look at incidents from an artist's adolescence and turn them into parables, clean origin stories for the myths uh, that would, would come later. In Shock G's case, there was some tr- there's some truth to that lens. When Jacobs was a teenager in Tampa, Florida, he dropped off out of high school to form a DJ crew with his friends. His clique, the Master Blasters, got so hot that quickly uh, got so hot so quickly that Jacobs was soon made the youngest regular radio DJ in the region. At 16, he had already secured the kind of gig you'd imagine was silence the naysaying adults in his life. Of course, he didn't keep it. Instead, getting fired for playing the full 15-minute version of Funkadelic's Not Just Knee Deep in a slot that was only supposed to last for five. Without a regular gig and with tension in his home life after his parents' divorce, Jacob simply left. He travelled the country for a time, backpacking and picking up odd jobs. But his passion for music did not subside. It shapeshifted. He had the notion that he, that he would teach himself the piano, the sort of idea an uh, itinerant? Interesting word. Itinerant young man typically wouldn't have, at least not until conceding to a permanent address. But Jacob slipped into the practice rooms at colleges and abused the test play allowances at music stores until he had the basics down, and then something far beyond the basics. His course was set. Instead of spinning other people's records for a living, he'd create his own. Jacob was returned to Florida, where he studied music at a nearby college, began playing shows, either solo piano gigs or rap concerts in early iterations of various groups, and produced other local artists. Around 1985, he moved to Los Angeles. But it was a subsequent move within the couple of years farther up coast to Oakland that he would see his vision realised. In 1987, Jacobs met a jazz drummer named Jimmy Dright, who was trying to cut it as a hip-hop producer too, under the name Chopmaster J. This was after Jacobs had made a leap from lurking in music stores to working in one. Jacobs re- uh, recommended Dright the gear he coveted for his dream studio and offered him a, uh, an unusual deal. He would pull some strings and get it installed for free on the condition that Dry would allow him to come over and make his own demos. By this point, Jacob's style, musical and otherwise, had undergone a few evolutions. In 2010, he told Vibe that he and his partner Kenny K. Waters, uh, both ardent fans of the civil rights leader Kwame Ture, is it Ture or Ture? I think it's Ture, uh, aka Stokely, Car- uh, Stokely Carmichael, uh, wore berets and hoped to make hip-hop that was heavy, serious and overtly political. Quote, we were thinking we are going to have a bom- have to bomb a courthouse one day, unquote, he cracked. But the pair were discouraged by Public Enemy, who by 1988 had refined their own work to become something of a platonic ideal in that vein of political rap. In hindsight, Jacobs was grateful that Chuck D and the Bomb Squad knocked them off course. It allowed hi- him to find his Oakland-based group, Digital Underground, with the philosophy he adapted from his musical hero, George Clinton. Quote, quote, unquote, free your mind and your arse will follow. <laughs> Perfect quote. Uh, any printed roster of Digital Underground is incomplete. Dozens of people, including some alter egos of Jacob's own creation, cycled in and out over the years. But that doesn't mean everyone had e- equal creative input. <clears throat> in addition to Clinton, Jacobs was a Prince fan, who wasn't, and admired that the superstar could hole up in a studio alone, playing every instrument by himself, and producing records that would normally require the brain power, not to mention the corporeality corpor- of collaborators. He worked in solitude, or whatever solitude you can claim while using borrowed equipment to finish a single, Underwater Rhymes, back with Your Life's uh, Your Life's a Cartoon. It came out in 88, through a small independent label, and caught the attention of Tommy Boy, a behemoth rap label, and a New York one at that. Though he'd live in New York long enough 
uh, as a child to become a hip-hop fan, there was, uh, there was to Jacobs a schism between the P-Funk he came to love as a Florida teen and a disco that early New York rappers preferred. When hip-hop producers did pull from funk, they leaned too heavily, in Jacobs' mind, on the James Brown catalogue or, uh, or on the impeached president drums. He was determined to bring the Clinton funk in sound and spirit to rap, a mission that was reflected even in the cover art that he often sketched himself and one that he achieved most uh, almost immediately. Do What You Like, the group's 1989 single on Tommy Boy is near-perfect th- synthesis of not only th- the three Clinton songs it samples and the Prince one and Ain't No House Step In and Good Times, dot dot dot, I'm assuming there's more, uh, but of a carefree hedonism and something a little more uh, self-actualized. If only there were a 15-minute version that you could get, for you fire, get you fired from your day job. The following year, Do What You Like appeared alongside a remix of Untold Rhymes on Sex Packets, Did Underground, 1990 debut album. One of the group's uh, quasi-members, a singer who had come to the studio straight from his lucrative office gig in a suit and tie, carried in his briefcase what he claimed were plans for a government-funded pills that would trigger hyper-lucid sex dreams in astronauts. <laughs> he was quote-unquote nuts, as Jacob laughed it off to vibe, but when Jacob's girlfriend kicked him out of the house and he had to crash on the singer's couch, he got to playing around with the idea behind those pills. One day, when the singer came home from work, same briefcase in hand, the song was written, and the album had its title and concept. Sex Packets is absurd in a way that makes room for sci-fi funk and a supreme raunch. A raunch uh, rendered with glee and a a refreshing admiration for the narrator's sexual partners. It also doesn't take much squinting to read it with both post-AIDS and post-crack crises subtext. For the album's backstory, Jacobs decided that if the packets for astronauts were developed in real life, they would inevitably leak onto the streets of San Francisco and be sold as a drug to abuse. He... Not Tommy Boy had flyers printed up speaking to the dangers of of this new drug that was supposedly sweeping the city, and, in a sense, it soon would. The record went platinum in less than six months after release. Those sales were driven in large part by the Stranger's Curiosity on an album full of them, Sex Packet's opening song, The Humpty Dance. In it, uh, Jacob's raps in character, not a shock G, but one of his alter egos, Humpty Hump. A character codified on the set of Do What You Like video for which he purchased a pair of Groucho Mark disguise glasses complete with a comically big nose. Humpty has a goofy voice and goofier clothes and according to the character's friends, a signature dance, which is a dance in only the loosest sense that makes him look like MC Hammer on crack. (laughs) (laughs) That's a quote, by the way, MC Hammer on crack. That's, that's, That's wonderful. Uh, the song was a massive crossover hit for the group, who went on to tour Europe before it blew up and returned to near stardom. Quote, uh, We left as frogs, but we came back as princes, Jacobs would tell Vibe. Despite the song's ubiquity, there was a plenty of confusion as to whether Humpty was in fact his own person. Confusion, Jacobs and the group fueled by having them appear as both Humpty Hump and Shock G in various film materials, and even by hiring doubles to wear the get-up and, the, and dance on stage during concerts. While the Humpty Dance is in many ways a novelty song, it works perfectly well on its own on its own merits, to the point of being mesmerising. It's specific and charmingly lewd, lewd, uh, good-natured with a hint of edge, uh, with a hint of an edge. This is true of songs like Freaks in Industry as well, one of Jacob's many gifts, uh, many gifts, 
uh, was his ability to be extremely funny on record without making a joke of the record. For the clearest evidence of this, consider his most famous protege. In 1990, when Sex Packers was being mixed, the group received a VHS tape of a young un- unknown rapper named Tupac performing a, call- a song called The Case of the Misplaced Mike Alone in front of his manager's house in hopes of impressing them. They welcomed him into the fold immediately and soon took him, out, uh, took him on tour as a roadie and backup dancer. Then, in a moment seared into rap history, Jacobs gave him his big break. A guest verse on 1991's same song. In the video, Parks dressed as an African king, carried on in on a throne by a clot of royal security guards. It is a testament to Pac's irre- irre- uh, sorry, irrepressible talent, of course, but also to Jacob's mastery of tone that the younger rapper was able to credibly appear in both vi- that video and Brenda's Got a Baby in the same year. Hijinks like those in same song would fall out of fashion in mainstream hip-hop for the next several years, but Digital Underground sold them at, at the time and in hindsight by staying a step ahead of those who believed they'd figured out the bit and by balancing their topical playfulness with constantly expanding musical ambition. Digital Underground would not maintain those commercial heights, but the tale of Jacob's influence is long. It can be seen in his production for other artists, his indelible guest verses, and his discovery for, of local virtuosos. His presence is also felt in the rappers who skip from one identity to another to get at something deeper in the human condition. This DNA traces to Chicago rapper Serengeti, whose Kenny Dennis character has a similar superficial goofiness as Humpty, but whose life is imagined as full of chronic heartache and and a million minor joys. But perhaps the greatest testament to Jacob's musical genius is that the real appeal defies the uh, usual qualifiers. A sales pitch would amount to a list of influences, the oddity of his crossover appeal, and, likely, to Tupac, but those are insufficient metrics. What made his music special was in the cleverness of his cleverness of his syntax, the modulation of his voice, the depth of his grooves. It was as if he came from somewhere else entirely. So that's a wonderful obituary. It's a wonderful piece of work. Shout out to Paul Thompson on that. Um, it's one of definitely one of my favorite reads um, this year, definitely. Um, and yeah, man, I can't wait to just um, get into this uh, retrospective that we're going to do for DITD. Um, I. I I have like heard. I'm almost obviously aware of Digital Underground. I have been aware of Digital Underground. Um, it really the the one th- the one thing I always think about when it comes to Shock G um, is the episode of Hip Hop Evolution um, where they talk about Tupac's death and uh, just basically the Tupac episode um, and um, the emotion he had. Um, even then, like obviously it was. Uh, this is a recent documentary series, so you know in the past few years. And uh, I assume those interviews were done in the past couple of years as well. Um, even now, like in contemporary terms, he was still shedding a tear for the fact that Tupac died, and how just he he just looked crestfallen about it. Even even thinking about it, even talking about it, I highly urge you guys go watch that episode. Um, it's just really just powerful, and um, that really just gave me something that I immediately valued um, in a lot of people like not not just having to oh, oh he, he cried over someone like I'm not it's not about that it's the fact that he had so much um in a previous episode um where they I think went to Oakland to talk about you know digital underground and E40 and Too Short and how the Bay Area scene came up with obviously digital underground uh, being a very important part of that 
it also referenced Tupac. They referenced Tupac in it. And Shock G had a real just energy about him in talking about anything hip-hop. And especially when it came to Tupac as well. Um, when they referenced him in the episode. And then when you come to... I think it was that... I think that was like Series 3 and the Tupac one was Series 4, if I remember correctly. So it was a, it was, I know it was a series apart. Like, I know that for sure. So when it came to the Tupac one, and that was clearly in the same interview um, that they just stacked up... Um, just the emotion he had when it when he came to referring to Tupac and talking about it, it was just really, um, it was just really endearing, and um, it it looked he he it just looked genuine. The emotions were genuine, you know, um, and I I just really respected that. I respected the um care he had in how he talked about Tupac, and he clearly cared about the kid at the time. Um, and I just love that in somebody that, you know, in a group like Digital Underground, where if you go look at their Wikipedia page, like the me- the past members, is just a laundry list long, um, you know, he clearly put a lot of people on and gave people their moment, and I highly respect that in somebody that, um, you know, as he obituary said, his, uh, the Digital Underground commercial success excuse me, wasn't as big as the debut album. It wasn't as, nothing was as big as Sex Pack is. And when you have that, you wonder what, what the, what that person, um, or what that group is doing and why they're doing it. And, uh, I feel like I'm going to get a, a good sense that when I listen to his, uh, listen to Digital Underground's work fully, um, for the whole six albums, I'm just going to hopefully gather that, you know, they did it he did it for the sake of um, pushing something forward, pushing a sound forward, pushing the digital underground sound forward, and uh, I can't, I can't respect that highly enough. Um, it's those kind of people that continue to do so um, without the, you know, commercial success or whatever, and they still continue doing it for the love of it, and still continue to pe- put people on. Those are the people I respect. Um, so shout out to Shock G, RIP Shock G, and um, yeah, man, I can't wait to get into this. So hop on to our second life topic, and uh, well, our first life topic. I mean, done the two yet. <laughs> I usually do like one at the start and one at the end, but yeah, first li- first of two life topics. Um, and this is an article I've been holding on through for a couple of weeks. This uh, came out on the uh, 17th of April uh, via The Economist. Um, it's called From United Kingdom to Untied Kingdom. See what they did there? Um, and yeah, I just... Um, I don't know if you guys have realised, but if you've listened, if you've been listening to past like episode in the past couple of months, I've, you know, kind of stepped away from... Um, uh, you know, general politics talk in the moment. Uh, obviously, the Green Seal scandal, David Cameron, and now uh, you know Boris Johnson and his affair. Um, Boris Johnson and let the bodies pile high. All of this garbage, right? All of this is just it. Just it, I I I look at it very apathetically um, because if the the only time I'm I'm going to generally care about any of this shit um, is when uh, the Tories are out of office. I legit. That's that's the Jimmy how I think about it now. Because these are things that genuinely warrant a, in my mind, 
booting the fuck out. Like, these people should be jailed in some cases, booted out of office in another case. But I, I'm seeing the polls and it's still conservative lead. So I just don't care anymore. I don't care anymore because clearly, um, clearly the, the general public don't care anymore. As much as the um, tabloids, as much as the papers and UK media would love to, you know, make you care, uh, make you make it feel like you know the general public care. Clearly, by voting, it doesn't care, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. That like Boris Johnson could, you know, tell you all to go die. Uh, I hope you all get COVID. Like he can say that, and people still vote. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. And I'm not one of those people that you know uh, vote because of a leader. Um, I didn't see I didn't see someone voting for Labour as you know a vote for Jeremy Corbyn. I saw it, in, and the point of British politics and how people vote is that they vote for their local MP. That's the point. You're supposed to vote. For, you're supposed to focus on your local MP, and that's why I did. I focused on my local MP, and I picked who I picked. I don't remember who I picked. To be completely honest, uh, I know for sh- fucking sure it won't conservative. <laughs> I know that much. Um, but yeah, y- you focus on your local MP. I don't care about the leader in some way. Um, you know, and even with someone like Jeremy Corbyn, I was into. I I, I liked uh, the stuff he was talking about. I, I vibe with it. Um, but still. You guys vote for Boris, or you vote, you guys vote for Conservatives anyway. Boris came through. He's doing all this garbage. David Cameron's uh, uh being scandalous, but you're still going to vote for him anyway. Um, I only talked about the article. I just went off on a tangent there, so sorry about that. But anyway, let's get into the cycle. Uh, the United Kingdom was not born in glory. Uh, the English conquest of Ireland in the 17th century was brutal, motivated by a fi- by fear of invasion and facilitated by the sp- superiority of Cromwell's army. The English takeover of Scotland in the 18th century was more pragmatic, born out of Scottish bankruptcy after an ill-fated American investment and English worries about France. But the resulting union was more than the sum of its parts. It gave birth to an intellectual and scientific revolution centred on Edinburgh as well as London and an, uh, an industrial revolution which grew out of that. Uh, enriching Glasgow as well as Manchester and Liverpool, an empire built as much by Scots as Englishmen, and a military power which helped save the world from fascism. That union now is now weaker than any point in living memory. That co- the causes are many, but uh, the exit, nearly said the word, uh, is the most important. Political leaders in London, Edinburgh and Belfast have put their country at risk by the way they have managed Britain's departure from the European Union. Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister, has done it carelessly by putting party above country and espousing a hard exit. The Scots never wanted to leave the EU and are inclined to seek a future outside the UK. In the past year, opinion polls have shifted from a small majority uh, backing the Union broadly the pattern uh, since a referendum rejecting, rejecting independence in 2014 to a small majority backing departure. Nicola Sturgeon, Scotland's First Minister and leader of the SNP, has done it determinedly, determinedly, yeah, determinedly, uh, by exploiting Scott's dislike of the exit settlement. The ills of fishermen unable to sell their catches are blamed on Westminster. Polls suggest that in the Scottish elections in May, the SNP will gain an overall majority in a system designed to avoid it. Arlene Foster, who literally, as I record, has left the DUP, um, or has stepped down from leadership of the DUP, uh, First Minister of Northern Ireland and, head, and former head of DUP, Democratic Unionist Party, has done it stupidly by rejecting the stof- softer exit proposed by Theresa May, Mr Johnson's predecessor. 
that would have, uh, that would have avoided the vex issue issue of how and I said a real posh issue uh, of how and where to create a border with the EU. Neither Brussels nor Dublin nor London was prepared to create a hard border on the island of Ireland. <laughs> island of Ireland, uh, <laughs> Island of Ireland. Uh, so Mr. Johnson created one instead uh, in the Irish Sea. Uh, between Great Britain and Northern Ireland, weakening, weakening the union which the DUP exists to defend. That helps explain a week of rioting earlier this month, resentments fester, and as the 100th anniversary of Irish independence nears, reunification has never looked closer. If the Scots, Northern Irish, or even the Welsh choose to go their own way, they should be allowed to do so, but only once it's clearly that, uh, it's, it is clearly their settled will. That is by no means the case yet, and this newspaper hopes it never will be. Breaking up a country should never be done lightly, because it is, as pa- is a painful process, politically, economically, and emotionally. Ask the Indians, Pakistanis, and Bangladeshis, or the Serbs, Croats, and other former citizens of Yugoslavia. Few splits happen as peaceably, peaceably as, uh, and easily as that of the Czechs and Slovaks. Though it seems inconceivable that citizens of today's UK would start murdering each other, that is exactly what they did during the Northern Irish Troubles that ended less than a quarter century ago. When not bickering about the constitutional question, the UK's constituent parts worked together fine. England, Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland ran separate COVID-19 lockdowns adjusted to local rates and sensitivities. Vaccines, where scale counts, were run nationally. The UK's survival matters more broadly too. Although its historical record is hardly impeachable, it is on the side of democracy, human rights and transparency in a nasty world. No doubt its con- uh, constituent parts would embrace similar values, but when independent England or Scotland piped up in defence of Hong Kong, they would be easily ignored, especially if they lost their permanency on the UN Security Council. The fact that the survival of the Union is now in Mr Johnson- Johnson's unreliable hands, whew, no shit unreliable, bold italics strike through monospace underline unreliable asterisk unreliable anyway uh, will bring no comfort to anybody who hopes it has a future yet he is concerned enough to have created a quote-unquote union unit with downing street and put it under michael gove Mm. yeah that's that's a way to succeed Put it under Michael Gove, one of his cleverest colleagues, okay, and the government's only high-profile non-English minister. Okay, some of what Mr. Johnson is doing is sensible. He has right to insist that now is not the time for another Scottish referendum. The last one, only seven years ago, was advertised as a once-in-generation opportunity. It is true that British circumstances have since changed, but uh, the exit is very recent, and opinion about it has not changed, uh, has has not had a chance to settle. There should be another referendum until polls show a clear and sustained majority for independence. Holding frequent referendums is a recipe for instability and an eventual end to the union. At some point, the trigger and the bullet will coincide. But the government is uh, getting much else wrong. It should stop plastering the union jack everywhere to those whose identity is primarily regional it looks like a campaign that is designed to stamp Westminster's ownership on all corners of the nation. It should use non-English uh, figures more, including Ruth Davidson, the popular former leader of the Scottish Conservative Party. Mr Johnson also needs to stop lying. His dishonesty over the Irish sea border, which he has said would, uh, would be created over his dead body, uh, quote-unquote, exacerbated his betrayal of the province. 
and he needs to improve Britain's relationship uh, relations with Europe, including by aligning, uh, yeah, including by aligning Britain's food and agriculture standards with those of the EU, the main source of trade friction that has infuriated Northern Ireland unionists. Uh, that will make a trade deal with the American harder, America harder, but no such deal is an offer now, and none will ever be if the peace in Northern Ireland is put in jeopardy. Mrs. Johnson was elected Prime Minister to, quote-unquote, get the exit done. In carrying that out, he has endangered his country's integrity. His single most important task for the rest of his term in office is to hold the union together. If he fails, he will go down in history as the man, uh, as not, not as the man who freed it, freed the United Kingdom, but as the man who destroyed it. And to be honest, guys, if my my anarchist, I, I really understand, I get it, uh, the, the, the bad sides of it uh, that they were talking about here in this uh, editorial is, you know, completely understandable. I completely get where they're coming from. You know what I mean? It's a painful process. It'll be, it'll take years, the same as the exit. It'll just take, it'll just be long as shit. Um... But damn, man, the anarchist in me is um, is is not against it. I I'm I'm not against this. <laughs> um, I re I re I remember seeing um, I remember seeing the tweet. Uh, I think it was trending actually of uh, Welsh independence, and that's the first time in my life I have ever seen um, Welsh nationals um, even uttering the word independence. Um, there's a small, I think there's a small group, uh, that want to, you know, want independence. I don't think it's like, you know, anywhere near a majority. I think the, you know, percents are very low. Um, but the fact that it exists is very, very telling, super telling. Um, the fact that Northern Ireland has been on fire for the past few weeks, um, uh, is, is also very telling. And obviously Scotland has never, you know, you know, culturally never really rated uh england and politically i don't think they really have uh, in in any way um the the term scottish conservative makes it just doesn't make sense to me like it just doesn't um but you know it is what it is um and uh yeah man just i i, I see it i see it all i get it i understand but Damn, man, the anarchist in me just wants this all to blow up. I don't know why. I mean, I do know why. I I want this to be the biggest blip, the biggest, the fattest black eye on the Conservative Party as a, as a whole. The Conservative Party has exi- has been, you know, so dominant in the past 100 years uh, in British politics, it actually boggles the fucking mind. I remember seeing a statistic on it. I wish I could find. I wish I could find it right quick. Um, but it, it, they are so ever present. They have been ever present for the past hundred years. I don't think people really understand how uh, dominant they have been um, in this. You know, obviously parliamentary system. But let's be honest, it's a two-party system in a lot of ways. Um, the, the power they have had over crucial decades have uh, been just felt really really felt in a lot of generations and honestly i just want to see him burn i i would love to see them burn i and if it takes the united kingdom to not be united anymore i'm not that against it i'm being very glib about this and you know there's a lot of re there's a lot of reasons to stay united and all that kind of stuff and i get it but damn man just hypothetically i'm not against it I'm not against it. I would, I would, I wouldn't mind seeing a trial run. 
of uh, of, of uh, you know just that of just it all being blown up. I wouldn't mind to seeing Ireland just become Ireland overall. Uh, you know, I, I, there's clearly a strengthened uh, attitude towards that. And to be honest, I don't really, I've never really understood why, you know, Westminster has so much power over the rest of the UK. It doesn't really make sense to me. Because, you know, they all have their own individual governments. Um, Irish, Northern Ireland has their own government. Obviously, the Republic of Ireland have their own. Wales have their own. Scotland has their own, right? But I just don't understand why English, why why the English Parliament has so much sway over the entire UK. Who made that decision? And obviously, I can just look up some history stuff and read some books, right? But I'm just asking this in general. It doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't feel. I I would understand. And I'm English, right? You know, I was born in London. I've lived in the South East Essex for a whole of my life, right? I'm I'm British, you know, factually, but I'm English, right? I would understand if a Scottish person or an Irish person or even a Welsh person saw a Northern Ireland or Northern Irish person. Get that straight. If they saw, you know, what's happening in Westminster and going like, well, why does this Lon- why does this twat in London uh, with, uh, with, with who's who's you know been a uh, who's had an affair and uh, has recently said you know uh, bodies pile high and all the shit that Boris Johnson has done? Why is he presiding over our politics? You know what I mean? Like, why is he the be all end all? Why does he have the final say? I can understand why they have why they have these thoughts. If they have these thoughts at all. I completely understand. I get it. Um, so, yeah. There's there's arguments against, um, obviously. It would be, it'd be super tedious and it would probably be much worse um, in a lot of ways for all of us. <sighs> but the anarchist in me... Really wants this. Really wants this to happen. Just so it's on the conservatives' track record. Just imagine it. Conservatives are responsible for breaking up the United Kingdom. Just imagine that, and they are the sole reason for it. Imagine that. I wouldn't mind that. I wouldn't mind seeing that headline all across every paper. get to our final segment second life and this is all about the concept of talking to yourself um obviously uh pandemic and general life in (laughs) life in general has warranted uh you know potential just you know trying to find psychological uh reprieves uh, for all of us right and uh, i found this interesting article by the guardians by daniel lavelle and it's called uh, talk to yourself a good antidote to loneliness or the sign of a real problem and uh, I just found it fascinating because, you know, sometimes I talk to myself, not exactly whole conversations, but, you know, I just say certain things to myself. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just found I just found this interesting. And considering how ill I've been in the past week, um, I'm, 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 I've been needing some help. I'm joking. Um, but, you know, it's <laughs> talking, to my, talking to myself really helped one day, like um, Saturday. I was, like, constantly talking to myself, like, trying to gin myself up and... Uh, you know, just get myself out of the funk, uh, so to speak, in some way, just so I can, you know, focus on something, at least, at least one thing, um, uh, but yeah, man, it really helped, so I, I just saw this, and I felt like it appealed to me, and, uh, hopefully it does to you guys as well, so let's get into it, 
we should uh, we should probably go out now. Uh, I say to Danny as I vegetate in front of the TV. Yeah, we should, but I can't be asked. Danny replies, sitting in an identical pose. Come on, we need to ex- we need the exercise. Can't sit here all day. I insist. Well, we can, because that's what we did yesterday and the day before. He answers. Exactly. That's why we have to go. Come on, I yell. God, fine then. He shouts back. So we get up from our pit and head into the crisp morning air for a much-needed dose of fresh air and exercise. Only there is no we, there's only me. I have had a shouting match with myself pretty much every day since COVID came along and changed everything. At the start of 2020, I embarked on a month-long quest to find meaningful conversations with strangers. Crippling social anxiety, introversion and sloth had kept me in the depressing bubble of loneliness and self-imposed exclusion. I wondered whether random chats with people might burst that bubble and open up a new world of social discovery. It did. After overcoming my initial shyness, I opened my gob and started chatting. By the end of the month, I was on first-name terms with a local shopkeeper I, have avoid- I had avoided even eye contact with for more than a year. The barber's was no longer a place. I went to have silent staring matches with my reflection. And I even learned some of the names of my flatmates. <laughs> Really? Damn, man. That's that's OD. Flatmates? Damn. Then I got evicted from my flat in East London. My landlord, who had packed 13 tenants into a family home, what? Lost his house 13 tenants into a family... Oh my gosh. That sounds horrible. Uh, Lost his houses in multiple occupation license, and we all had to find new digs. I moved to another part of London with new people and had to start the process of uh, re-socialisation all over again. Then the pandemic hit. I was isolated and lonely, with only myself for company. I have always talked to myself, usually only a few words of encouragement as I rise in the morning, or when I'm trying to navigate through a dense brain fog. But in lockdown, the only person I was guaranteed to speak to every day was me. The problem with this, uh, I know. Ev- <laughs> the problem with this, I know everything about me. Me got boring fast, so I began to argue with me, and I always lost. Do I need help? Not particularly, says Paloma Murray Beffer, a senior lecturer in psychology at the University of Bangor. She says that most of us talk to ourselves silently all the time, quote, and by all of the time, all the time, I mean even when you sleep, she says. Come to think of it, when I have paid attention to my resting thoughts, I realise that I can't claim authorship over any of them. Words, sounds, and images just appear from nowhere, then dissolve into nothingness like a shooting star. There, and then gone. Quote, my, The brain is always active, says Mari Beffer. It is always ger- generating images or words. Unquote. If we are always in conversation with ourselves, why don't we talk out loud? The answer, says Mary Beffer, uh, Mari Beffer, sorry, I'm saying it wrong, uh, Mari Beffer, is down to two sides of the brain. One that is chaotic, one that is chaotic and random, and the and one that is orderly and in control. Quote, When you talk out loud, it's not random. You organise it, you control it, you give it shape. When people are under extreme stress or stru- suffering with mental illness, both networks can be active at the same time. Unquote. This phenomenon could explain conditions such as, such as Tourette's syndrome and schizophrenia, where the subconscious chaotic mind is encroaching on the more ordered conscious mind. Controlled self-talk, however, can have enormous benefits. In 2012, Mari Beffer uh, conducted an experiment that asked 28 participants to read a series of instructions either silently or out loud. The group that read out loud showed higher levels of concentration and performance on the tasks that they were given. Another study from the University of Michigan 
found that self-talk can increase self-esteem, improve confidence, and help us overcome difficult challenges. The paper, published in 2014, said that those who referred to themselves with second and third person pronouns managed their, own, managed their thoughts better than those who spoke in the first person. I feel slightly better about myself, but the kind of self-talk these studies point to, helping people keep on track with assignments, for example, sound like the innocuous words of encouragement I used to say to myself before the pandemic, not the kinds of internal rows I have for myself now. Chris Gillum, uh, not his real name, a 23-year-old IT student from Washington, D.C., started talking to himself out loud when the pandemic hit. Before lockdown, he used to socialise in coffee shops with his friend from college. Uh, Now he spends most of his time alone. He says face masks have helped. On the rare occasions he visits the local grocery store, he can talk to himself under his breath and nobody can see his lips moving. Gillum suffers with anxiety and says the self-talk helps him slow down his, quote-unquote, concentrate of thought. It helps with processing something, he says. Another quote, if I'm reading a textbook, uh, rephrasing it out loud really helps, unquote. Still, Gillum isn't having full-blown shouting matches with himself in front of a mirror like I am. Quote, do you have a partner who could be on the opposite side of you when you're having an argument? Uh, says clinical psychologist Dr. Carly, Carla Manley over the phone from her office in California. No, I live on my own, I say. There's why, she says, because we all want to have inherently, if we're wise, someone to have a discussion with, unquote. I've spent most of the lockdown writing a book, I tell her, and she says I'm probably talking to myself because I'm missing an alternative point of view, someone to contradict the ideas I have, especially when writing. We watch kids at home, quote, talking to the Tonka truck or at the Barbie doll, and we call it child's play, she says, but somehow we are supposed to lose that as adults. I don't believe that we need to, unquote. She explains that self-talk can become a problem if you do it so much that it disturbs someone you're living with. But otherwise, it really depends on what you're saying to yourself. Quote, uh, it really is, it's really about, is it appropriate for the situation? Is it disrupting any relationships, be it at home, work or otherwise? Is it within your control? Does what you're saying make sense? Unquote. Manny exchanges only a few words with herself now and again, but she does chat with her dog. Uh, quote, Someone from the outside might say, does she really think the dog uh, is understanding her? She's insane. I'm not, because I know that I'm doing it, unquote. So I'm saner than I thought I was. I just need a friend to argue with. Maybe Monty Python brought on to something when they created the argument clinic for, that, for users who pay, uh, for users to pay and have a row with someone. No, they weren't, Danny says. Yeah, they were, I say. Nonsense, Danny says. I think I just sound like the sound of, I, I think I just like the sound of my own voice. Now, that's something we can agree on, says Danny. Okay, so that's um, that, was, that was a fun that was a fun little read. Um, yeah, so uh, I think for me personally, the extent I talk to myself is like um, not full conversations like that. I, I don't do that. Um, I talk to my dog, you know what I mean? I, when I'm out with him, I'm like literally talking to him as if like he's a person. So like when he does something stupid, like doesn't wait. Uh, like if I stop at a traffic light or whatever and he like... If I, he's one of those dogs where like he doesn't take a hint, like he if you you have to actually you know press the button to stop, like to to stop the lead from uh, uh going up, you have to stop him. Like if if I just left the lead, he'd just literally just walk forwards, like no care in the world, and just get fucking run over. Like sometimes I have to all the time I have to do that. I have to like, hold, hold up, like wait, and like sometimes he just 
sometimes he does these things where like he like just just jolts and runs forward and then pulls me. I'm just like, why are you pulling? Like, why, why are you pulling? Why are you putting so much energy into this? Like, we're gonna get there. Like, calm down. Stop pulling me. Like, I, I usually say that stuff. I usually say whole sentences to him, so whole paragraphs. I'm like, bro, you, you keep doing this shit, right? You 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 do you do smart stuff at, at first, and then you just go ahead and do this dumb shit. Like one time he did um, what was it? Oh yeah, so yeah, he 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 did this really smart thing, a real like you know um like gun dog thing. I think it's a gun dog. Um, I think that's the term for it, uh, for that kind of dog. But he he it was in the snow. It was during the snow in the winter, and uh, we we're walking up. Uh, uh, just like a path, and he just started shoving his nose in this one bit of snow. Right? He was just going, he's just, you know, doing dog. How was I going to go do dog nose? <laughs> he 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 shoved his nose in the snow, and like he's just he's staying there for like a good minute, like just sniffing that piece of just sniffing, just shoving his nose in there, like really deep into the snow. Like, like all I can see is his like his, from his eyes, like I can't see his mouth. Um, so I'm, I stopped there, I stopped, and I'm just going, what are you doing? I was like, what, what are you doing? I just constantly asked him that, what are you doing? Like, come on, what's, what's over there, what's there so important? And he's constantly sniffing, he's constantly sniffing, and then out of the snow, out of the other side, comes a mouse, like a little mouse, and the mouse just fucks off, right? I'm just like, how the hell did you do that? Like, obviously it's a dog, right? Noses, great noses, etc, etc, but he never does that kind of, you know, cool dog shit. And then he goes ahead and like I don't know, just does some really stupid dog stuff. And I'm just like, bro, how are you? How can you be so smart in this situation, but in any other situation you're just like dippy? I I literally have these conversations with my dog, right? And I think that's fine, right? I think most dog owners, I think cat owners, I think most pet owners do that to their pets, you know, regardless of who it is. <clears throat> I think that's why people. That's why I would like a parrot, um, even though they last like they they last like it's a fucking. As a fucking piece of food, um, they live, you know, uh, I think it's like 50, 60 years, like, they last a mad long time, so if you can have a parrot, that's a genuine life investment, <laughs> uh, so yeah, you know, I, I think that's why people, you know, get pets sometimes, because obviously, and that's why people get pet have gotten pets during the pandemic, because, you know, they're lonely, and they need someone, they need something, just like, you know, animated to, you know, keep them either busy, or just like, you know, comfort, or whatever, um, but as it pertains to talking to myself, um, you know, I kind of feel like this podcast is something of um, a decent outlet for myself. Um, I use it, I, you know, as, as you guys know, I don't, you know, I don't try and, you know, talk about, oh, in the news this week, like, big, big, let's talk about the big news all the time, right? You know, I try and mix it up. I talk about stuff that you may not have heard of that I just feel like talking about, or all of this, what I feel like talking about, um, but or I have an opinion on, and that's kind of the therapy for me. That's kind of a therapy for me. Even when, even now that I'm talking, doing this podcast, I I feel a little bit better. Um, you know, from my stomach, whatever's going on down there, right? I just feel a little bit better as I talk, and as I'm just like focusing on something, I'm just looking at the wave lines of my voice right now. It makes me feel better um, to talk and to uh, read, you know, articles and elucidate on the on points made and stuff like that. It makes me feel better. And when I hop off this and I'm gonna do the editing for it, I'm gonna probably go back, go down a little bit in terms of like just feeling. Um, I think my self esteem is just gonna plummet again. Um, you know, I feel like throughout this particular episode, I started off a bit low energy and now I'm a bit more up, just a little bit. You know what I mean? I'm just a little bit more animated, but. As soon as the podcast ends, I'm just gonna be like back back to 
<laughs> back to um, potentially uh, working on, on, on my bed, which I try not to do. Um, but yeah, yeah, that may be it. So yeah, you know, I don't talk. I, I talk to myself. Um, I think as much as everybody else. Um, sometimes, uh, sometimes it's genuine conversations, not actual arguments. I've never had arguments with myself. Um, but uh, yeah, I've had conversations with myself a lot. Um, but it's an interesting thing. It's a fascinating thing talking to yourself. And uh, you know, I feel like some people find it weird when someone else is in the room and they're talking to herself. I, f- I and I kind of agree in that sense, but also. Because, you know, there's another person there. Why are you talking to yourself? Right? You have someone else to bounce off with. Um, but, you know, some people just get by on that front. And, uh, you know, all power to them. All power to them. And when I said, I'll finish there, ladies and gentlemen, from the 5th in Podcast Network, I have a Charlie Taylor. This has been what's good. Intro music has been too much by Vanilla. Thanks to Chill Up Records for the ability to use the track. Shout out to Nappy Hire for the use of Charismatic for the interlude. You can find his website also on the full show notes. And also to the uh, music's band camp and uh, <laughs> and vanillas. I don't, don't know if I said that. But anyway, hope you all have a good week. I shall try and do the same. Jesus Christ. If, it, if his stomach shit like continues, oh my gosh, like, for another week. Oh. Endless, endless, endless cycle. Um, hope you all have a good week. I shall really, really try and do the same. <laughs> uh, but I can't promise anything. But until the next time, take it easy. Ladies and gentlemen.